We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Good morning, everybody, and welcome on in. It is Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Over the next hour, we'll dive all over the world of mixed martial arts and boxing. Uh, But I got to start off with the biggest news of the week. Canelo Alvarez is a free agent. He is no longer with Golden Boy or DAZN, uh, and that relationship has come to an end after all the hoopla of, you know, biggest guaranteed sports contract of all time. You know, it was bigger than Giancarlo Stan at the time that they signed the deal. Um, relationship soured. The pandemic hit. Uh, they couldn't quite get the fight that they wanted. And that $35 million that he was getting, you know, per fight that he was supposed to get per fight was now getting offered at $17 million. And then all of a sudden, uh, that became that. And, um, you know, it went to court. Got settled pretty quickly, I got to be honest with you. Uh, or the whole argument got settled pretty quickly because I when, when I thought, when I saw this happen, I was like, man, I, I didn't think we were going to see Canelo Alvarez for a while. I thought that, you know, typically when these boxing you know a boxing litigation like this you know gets underway it takes a while and i don't know if uh you know lawsuits are going faster now because they're all doing it via zoom or whatnot but it seems like this got settled pretty quickly because you get the announcement from canelo's manager eddie renews uh eddie renoso on friday that he is uh free to do business elsewhere and you're wondering, is this a negotiation tactic? Is this for real? But, you know, people who are in the know with it, you know, they're thereafter are getting uh, statements from Golden Boy, and it's it's legit. He's out. And, you know, it's a couple of things. One, uh, it's a big blow to the zone uh, because, you know, one of their models has been, hey, you sign up for us, you're going to get pay-per-view worthy fights. For the price of twenty dollars a month, hundred bucks a year, uh, whatever that may be, and so you lose somebody like Canelo Alvarez, who you're probably going to spend seventy five dollars to watch him fight. Um, you know, it's 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 a pretty big loss for their stable. You know, that's one of the. I think if you're looking for a bargain as a fan, now, look if you're a, a hardcore fan, you see the slate that they got. You know, especially these next few weeks, I. You know, I I told you guys when I had when we had George Cambosa on, I re up to watch him fight. Um, you know, because I want to watch him fight, and you know, there just so happens where it's been a, a pretty decent run of the over the next you know few weeks. So, you know, I feel like I'm getting my twenty dollars worth, but they've had some real dry spells in there too, where I'm not afraid to cancel, and I don't feel like I'm going to be missing out on some Canelo Alvarez bargain. 
And, you know, I, I do think that is a big blow for everything they came out with, with all of the, the hoopla. Um, the zone takes a, takes a big punch to the chops with losing Canelo Alvarez. You know, they're still going to have, I guess, Anthony Joshua, but are they? Because it's, yeah, I would imagine by the time Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua get to fighting, that may be on a pay-per-view where they're going to be splitting revenue. So who knows? You know, they're really going to have to become the hardcore boxing fans home. And there's a lot of competition for that. There really is. So Canelo Alvarez ends up splitting from Oscar De La Hoya. This is also not surprising. Uh, they have been publicly feuding for a long time. Uh, Canelo Alvarez has, uh, has not liked the way that Oscar has uh, spoken about him. We know that Oscar has had some, uh, some you know, personal things going on. Now he's doing his own boxing comeback. Um, so it's also not surprising that the long-time relationship between you know, Canelo and the Golden Boy finally comes to an end. This is also a big blow to their stable because Golden Boy was really held up by Canelo for a long time. Now they got some, you know, some fresh young faces like a Ryan Garcia, who people think can be a star or a Virgil Ortiz jr. But they are not Canelo. You know, there's, there's a difference between could be and is. And, and so that is a, that's a big place that they have to bounce back from a, a huge place that they have to bounce back from. Um, and as far as Oscar's concerned, you know, with all the the concerns of oh you know what can you do for my career I think for a lot of it he can point to the success of Canelo but it eventually is like okay you signed this grand deal for Canelo Alvarez but you couldn't even hold water for three years and I don't know who he wants to put the blame on that for does he want to put it on DAZN does he want to put it on Canelo do you want to put it on the pandemic who knows uh, because I do think pandemic or no pandemic uh, we know that it's uh, it's trouble that they weren't going to be able to have fans at these events and and things like that but you know the real problem of this from DAZN's standpoint is they want it to be the home of Canelo versus Triple G because Triple G3 because that was one of the bona fide super fights that's still out there you know you get that fight you're you're looking in traditional pay-per-view at a million plus buys, you know, with the bad blood that they have, with how controversial the last two have been, um, who knows what you could get it to, you know, who knows what you could put those subscriptions at if you were them. So that was the whole point of it is like, Hey, why don't you pay this hundred bucks a year? You get all the boxing you want and you're basically getting this one pay-per-view for a little bit more money, but you're going to get boxing for the rest of you. That was their hope. And they just never could get it done. It was one of these things where they just couldn't agree on an opponent. Um, and, you know, there's Billy Joe Saunders that was thrown out. And then they were talking about going to Japan to fight somebody. Just people with that. The general fan, even even the, the pretty strong boxing fan, is not interested in watching Canelo Alvarez fight. I was barely interested in watching him fight Sergey Kovalev. Look, cool knockout and all that type of stuff. But, um, you know, who cares? He's beating a, a Kovalev that's over the hill. He's beating a Kovalev that... Uh, is not who he was. Now, you know, look, Kovalev gave him a little bit more to handle than probably people thought until he got that obliterating knockout, which was great for the highlight reel, but it's not what DAZN got him for, for that $35 million guaranteed per fight. You know, say this about... And, and one of the things is, Canelo, as big of a star as he is, he's not Floyd Mayweather, okay? And, and what I mean by that is, you know, Floyd... Always, always, in every fight that he went into, had 
the one marketing tactic that would never go away, which is he knew he had a lot of people who were always going to root against him. Nobody roots against Canelo. You know, I mean, unless you're like, unless, unless you're like really uh, upset with him about the, 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 the horse meat stuff from the triple G series, who roots against Canelo Alvarez? People love Canelo. He's regarded as the number one pound for pound fighter. He's a hero in Mexico. Um, you know, he still doesn't he still doesn't speak English in these interviews, so it's not like you're gonna get a lot of controversial stuff out of him, even though there's been controversial stuff that has come out of, you know, his country. It's a lot like Manny Pacquiao, where nobody knew that Manny Pacquiao was a womanizer or a gambler or had all these vices, you know, because he'd smile for the cameras, he'd go kick someone's ass, and then he'd go off to his country, you never hear from him again. Canelo's in that same lane where like you, you, you kick somebody ass, he does the smile, he's handsome as hell. You never see him until his next fight. You know, with Floyd, even if he was fighting Marcos Maidana, you're like, I'm not interested in that. They'd still do the 24-7. He'd flash the money. He'd do something with 50 Cent. People would want to root against him, and they'd fork over their money. With Canelo, he really does need the right dance partner for it to be a bona fide success. And so... You know, I get the frustration from DAZN's standpoint that they were never able to come to this this uh, this right agreement to to make it happen, um, and maybe it'll be better off now that he's uh, he's off on a free agent. Maybe you know DAZN will be in a better place. They don't have to focus so much on it now. They're clearly uh, in a spot where they're trying to get th- some things right financially, especially that they launched this platform to be the home for boxing, and now. They have uh, trouble with promoters because promoters were at a long time. They didn't want to do fights um, because of the pandemic. They didn't want to lose out on gates. And so, you know, it's a big challenge. I get it. But this was uh, this was something that was brewing beforehand. So with uh, with Canelo, where does he go from here? Okay, so the reports are that he wants to fight December 19th. He wants to have a quick turnaround. We're talking you know, a few weeks here, and he wants to fight Caleb Plant. Super middleweight. Now, it's a fun fight. Uh, I don't know how it'll it'll do business-wise. I don't know how many people know about Caleb Plant. He's a fun fighter. I actually got to see Caleb fight uh, Mike Lee on the Manny Pacquiao-Keith Thurman card. He was uh, the Fox feature for for Fox's pay-per-view. And, you know, he's marketable. He's he's an offensive fighter. It feels like it's going to make for a fun fight. And so I feel like he can kind of look upon this as this is his like once in a lifetime opportunity. You know, I feel like it can do some good business. I feel like Caleb Plant has an opportunity to really vault himself into some kind of stardom here in this in this bout. And he's an aggressive fighter. We've seen with uh, with Triple G like that can give Canelo some issues. He is still coming up in this, uh, you know, in, in super middleweight, even though he just fought at light heavyweight. Uh, he's still on the smaller ish side. Um, it's a fun fight, but if I was DAZN, I'd be like, am I, do I want to guarantee Canelo Alvarez $35 million for this fight? Yeah, probably not. Probably not. I would say that's probably not the place I want to go, but if you're Canelo Alvarez and you're going to be independent or you're going to link up with PBC and you're going to split the pay-per-view revenue, uh, you know, will that do a lot better? Yeah, maybe. I mean, we just saw Tank Davis did reportedly this week uh, about quarter of a million pay-per-view buys. Very good for Tank Davis. Uh, if that was Canelo Alvarez, you would think that was atrocious, especially if you were DAZN and whatever you want to classify as equal to pay-per-view. So 
he's going to be in the situation where it, it, it's going to be a fun fight, but he's also at this point in his career where, you know, Canelo is kind of picking and choosing and you're looking at what are the fights that will really get people excited to see him fight. You know, people probably would love to see if this is a relationship that's going to start with, you know, PBC and Al Heyman and Fox pay-per-view, you know, people would obviously love to see him fight uh, Jamal Charlo. I mean, that would be the go-to. Um, you know, they would want to uplift uh, Charlo. They think Charlo can be a huge star. Uh, he, you know, put both of them on the pay-per-view card. That would be huge. I mean, I think Al Heyman would, would run with this opportunity if he can go get in some kind of partnership with Canelo Alvarez, even if it isn't solely representing Canelo Alvarez. And... I'm going to be honest with you. Don't rule out him fighting Oscar De La Hoya. I'm going to say, like, if, you know, Oscar's making this comeback. He says he's only coming back for the best. I think Oscar's not going to do the thing. He's not doing the exhibition thing that uh, Mike Tyson is doing. They have a natural beef there. And, you know, if he's willing to step in the ring, now will somebody sanction it? I don't know. I bet you they can find, I bet you they, I bet you they sanction it, you know, somewhere that's not America if they don't do it in Vegas. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised. Like once we're allowed to really crank up the fans, that's a storyline that, that happens down the road. Now you obviously wouldn't do that if they were manager and they were, uh, together, but I wouldn't be surprised if it happens. I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if this is boxing, you know, boxing has gotten wacky. We just saw Floyd Mayweather fight a, a guy with no professional fights in, in Conor McGregor. So we're in the age of uh, don't rule anything out. Uh, we're in the age of the freak show. So I would not, I would not put it past uh, them to do something like this, where Canelo Alvarez is fighting Oscar De La Hoya. Oscar De La Hoya fought Julio Cesar Chavez. You know, it, it's 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 not out of the realm of possibility. And what the legend had like a hundred fights when that thing went down. So I wouldn't rule it out. But you know, if you're looking at where his playpen is going to be for the uh, the next foreseeable future. We know that Demetrius Andrade was in the zone. You're not going to him. He's looking for bigger fights than that. Um, you know, I think he probably looks at the 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 Charlo thing and thinks, yeah, that 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 would make sense if if they're going to get into this game. Jaime Munguia is kind of out of the, the the woods. I know that people were talking about that. You know, looking at middleweight, that's the one that makes most sense. If you're going to go to super middleweight, Billy Joe Saunders is a name that they've kicked around. How does that relationship change now? Um, you know, maybe it's different that Canelo is is his own guy and he doesn't feel like he's going to get short-ended on his guarantee. Maybe they do that. Um, looks like he's going to fight Caleb Land, who has the IBF belt. Uh, and so, and then you look at a guy like uh, Caleb Smith, who has the other belt, you know, maybe... That's somewhere where he goes to, you know, if he kind of roams in that uh, that area and we know that he he dipped his toe in the water of light heavyweight, it just doesn't feel like there's a lot of marketable fights there for him, you know, but it's an interesting time, man. I think that he's going to do fine. I think that this is cool that he has this opportunity to kind of pick and choose where he wants to go now because... Look, it, it's a bummer that I, I do feel like the zone had some of the ponies. There was no reason they couldn't put on bigger fights. Um, it, it, that's unfortunate. And so, you know, maybe this idea that he can control the split or whoever is going to be doing that for him, um, maybe that'll put the negotiations in a better spot to make these 
fights happen, whether it be Billy Joe Saunders or Demetrius Andrade, or even if he can get Golovkin to happen again. It's a big blow, I think. It's a bigger blow, I think, to DeZone and to Golden Boy than it is to Canelo. I feel like Canelo is going to be fine because I feel like there will be fun matchups where people will still want to see him fight. Um, I would not rule out him versus Oscar down the line. I really, uh, you know, Oscar's going to make this comeback. I guess we got to see how he looks first, but if he's serious about this comeback and you're going to come back, you might as well just, like you said, go for the title. Like if you're going to make all this effort to come back, you might as well make a boatload of cash to do it. I don't see any point in him coming back to fight just a guy. Uh, that seems like a tremendous waste of time. So we'll see what ends up happening. We'll take a quick break. Welcome back, everybody. It's Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Tobin here with you. Getting to a little bit of UFC news that we have going on. So um, the big news of the week, we had a couple of things happen with the uh, the middleweight slash 205 division. We knew about the thing that happened last week with Israel Adesanya, where it was announced that he is going to be fighting for the light heavyweight title. And you know, it was interesting hearing some of the fallout of this. Uh, I didn't really get Dana White's explanation of it where he's saying that Robert Whitaker basically after the fight says he didn't want the fight, which I, I didn't see that anywhere. I thought that, you know, he, it's not like he's going to go out there and bleep talk for the fight. Um, you know, Robert Whitaker's a, a, a quiet guy. I don't understand why this has to be something that is held against him. He is one of the most exciting fighters out there. Every fight that he puts out there is, is thrilling. Every fight is is got tons of striking you know i don't understand this when it comes to certain ufc fighters right you know this used to be the sport where it was all action guys coming forward you weren't boxing and guys would be rewarded for that style i don't understand you know and the guys that couldn't you guys who were boring those are the guys who had to trash talk for example back in the day chael sonnen boring fighter Love Chael, Chael P. You know, we've had him on the show countless number of times. He has the gift of gab like none other. I'm a big fan of his podcast, his YouTube channel. All right, I've kissed Chael's ass enough. Boring fighter. Like, anytime Chael's in the, in the octagon, you're not exactly going to get the most thrilling show in the world, right? Those are the types of guys. Ben Askren. Ben Askren uh, is, a, is a boring fighter, so he needs the, the gift of gab a little bit. You know, talk it up. Uh, say that you're going to ragdoll some people. Go out there and, uh, you know, either do it or get or get knocked out in five seconds. But the guys who are absolute savages, the Robbie Lawlers of the world. Like, for example, I don't understand why Robbie Lawler gets to be in the playpen of complete, soulless, savage. Everybody just knows if they tune into a Robbie Lawler fight, it's going to be dynamite, right? I don't know why that's gone away. Why, is it because he is from an old school era and that people respect him? Why is why are the Robert Whitakers of the world and the Dustin Poiriers of the world these come forward exciting fighters who are even more dynamic than the old school guys who are good at everything? Why is it that it takes them now an extra gimmick to not not just get them over with the mainstream fans? I get that, but why does it why is that something that is hindering them with their boss? Why why is that the case? It really shouldn't be. These are not boring fighters. Robert Whitaker you know that if he goes in there with a fight with Izzy, that it's not going to be boring. Maybe it'll be lopsided. Maybe somebody will get beaten up early, but you can't say that's going to be a boring fight. And what he just did uh, in, in, in his last bout, he's going in there. He's slaying Jared Cannonier, who 
The champ called out. That was the guy the champ wanted to fight. He wanted to fight Killer Gorilla. He goes and he and he breaks his arm and he does work against him. He beat Darren Till before that. So, you know, we're seeing an active Robert Whitaker, which is great. It's really been, I think, one of the, the only things is that he's had some injury issues and maybe not the activity that you'd love from a champion. So now that he's in this active cycle, you get yourself in this position. Yeah, it's not ideal. You wouldn't love Robert Whitaker fighting uh, fighting Stylebender because he is, uh, you know, the Stylebender dealt with him pretty quickly, but he earned it. He earned it. And, you know, for example, we just had Max Holloway who took on Volkanovsky back-to-back times. People thought it was controversial. So it's not exactly getting obliterated or beaten up early, but he got, you know, but he's getting other shots. And there was even talk that Dana might fight him again, you know, may, 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 may square him up for a third time, even though, because it felt like, it felt like Max got screwed. I just don't understand why a guy like Robert Whitaker who talked this week about the politics of it. And the other thing that doesn't make sense is, so I saw Jan Blahovich came out and he's saying that he's not fighting until March. And that's another thing that makes it weird is like, okay, it feels like you have this middleweight champion who for no reason is not going to be defending his title. Now, look, I get it. I want to see, I I know this is ultimately trying to lead a path. So we get to Izzy versus John Jones. And ultimately, if you told me, if I'm honest, uh, not to steal a line from Goran Dragic, if I'm honest, if I'm honest, I know that I would rather see Izzy versus John Jones. It's a blood feud. Um, those guys have been bleep talking for a while. Yeah. I want to see that fight. A couple things though. One, I don't know why that fight has to be for a title. feels like the ultimate grudge match middleweight champion coming up the ultimate two Oh five guy. The only thing that I think, uh, you think would hurt it is if, uh, whoever comes out on top of that, especially Izzy, is going to be looked upon as the man two Oh five. So almost neuters Jan's belt. Um, but the other thing is, like, are we even sure John Jones is going to stick around at 205 and fight Adesanya? Now, look, it's the fight I want. Honestly, if, if, if you told me right now, what are the fights you'd want to see? John Jones versus Adesanya is up there. It is one of the fights that I'd absolutely love to see, especially with the bad blood between the guys. That's one of those fights that has all the elements. It has the talking. It has the feud. And those are the best, those are the best fights for John. You know, you think about the Cormier rivalry, um, you know, with Dominic Reyes, that was, it was a little bit, you know, you saw Dominic feeling froggy, but, you know, it felt a little bit forced. John's kind of been there, done that. You you like those fights where John has that natural angst against the guy because he can be a, he can mean a, a be a mean SOB. He really can. And I feel like that, uh, that builds the drama. And I do feel like Izzy's not afraid to say the things like John is washed. John is, uh, John's over the hill, all that type of stuff. Um, and I, I feel like that has the best matchup potential. Uh, the other one I would say, I mean, out of John going up to heavyweight, I mean, I really want to see John against, like, Francis Ngannou. I want to see him in there with an absolute monster. I, I You know, I'd love to see him in there with Stipe and try and get the belt, too. But you know Stipe. I mean, it's not going to be, you know, you know how Stipe is going to fight that fight. You know, like, let's be honest. So... I just think it's. I, I just find it. I I, feel, I find I, f- I find myself feeling for a guy like Robert Whitaker, and I find myself feeling for these guys who are all action, come forward guys. That used to be enough, you know. That used to be enough in the UFC. 
I get the guys who are boring fighters, you know, like Damian Maya. Well, Damian Maya has kind of got a boring style. He's a jujitsu guy and he doesn't talk. You know, I get why you don't exactly want that guy in the title picture, but a guy like, you know, Robert Whitaker with how he fights, a guy like Dustin Poirier, the way he fights, what, why, why do they have to go out there and, and, and also be the craziest to be, you know, there's, there's only a few unicorns out there, guys who could do everything as far as the trash talk and all that type of stuff. So, uh, I felt a little bit bad for him, um, with, with, uh, with all that stuff that comes out because Dana was basically coming out here and talking about the idea that, uh, you know, that Robert didn't want the fight. I'm like, I, I don't remember. It's not, like, listen, he's not going to go out there and, and, and call out on a sign. It's not a style. You know, it's not everybody's style to do that. Uh, another piece of news this week. So we found out that uh, Colby Covington, he had an idea. He was on Submission Radio. And I think those guys do a good job, by the way. They, uh, they're they an Australian duo. They do a good podcast. Uh, where they, So we're, we're staying very oceanic for this uh, for this podcast. But uh, Co- uh, Colby said to them that he, uh, we've been talking about the, Jorge Masvidal, Colby Covington matchup that we, I mean, I got to think is going to be coming up this next year, but, uh, they, he told the submission radio that he wants to fight Masvidal at the American airlines arena when fans are allowed in the building. I, you know, this, this fight just has like the blood feud to it. Uh, Colby's going to get, I mean, booed mercilessly in that, in that car. Everybody is going to hate his guts. Um, you know, because as, as much as Colby, he it's funny because Colby is a guy who trains in Miami now, uh, but lives in Broward. And George is a guy who lives in Miami, trains in Broward. So they're flipped on that in, the, in that weird spectrum. But, uh, you know, it's got everything. Like they used to be friends. Uh, they're, they used to be teammates. They used to be in the same gym. Hori uh, basically got Colby thrown out of the gym um, with his rise to superstardom. It's got everything. Um, I think it's also going to put a cool local spotlight on MMA Masters, which uh, you know we've had been having a ton of guys on from that gym, and they've really just had a great 2020 as far as the local fight scene is concerned. So, yeah, I think it would be a ton of fun. I think you put almost like a, it would be cool if you did almost like an American top team versus MMA Masters matchup, you know, get a bunch of those types of things uh almost make it local like we have that that almost happens at all the regional shows like when titan puts on a show or somebody else it's usually <laughs> mma masters versus uh either hard knocks 365 or now you know sanford mma or a lot of the times it's you know american top team versus mma masters i feel it could be fun if you take some of the ufc guys match them up against each other and make that uh, a miami card um but i am but I but I do agree with uh, with Colby in regards. To this. I don't I don't think you make that fa- that fight up until uh, fans are allowed in the building. Um, I think that's that would be the way to go with that um, as far as far as making that matchup is concerned. So I just thought that was interesting with uh, with Colby getting in there and uh, and and putting a matchup out there. I really would like to see uh, those two square off. I think it's a, it's got a, a lot of the elements to it. Um, you know. And I tell you one thing that's funny with Kobe, you know, Kobe is, uh, he had this style and it's funny that he is, uh, you know, he, he comes up with the whole gimmick and he's told the story about how he was going to get released and Kobe's actually turned into a really fun fighter. I mean, that's, that's one of the, he's not one of these 
you know, just holds you down and, and tries to run out the clock. Like his, his pace in a fight is overwhelming. Um, and so it's, uh, it, it's, it's an interesting thing. It's also going to be interesting, you know, with a guy who's built off this, uh, this whole thing, this whole persona, where does he go from here? Where it's kind of built on, Hey, I have this relationship with the president. Where does that go from here? Um, other piece of news: We had Darren Till. He is going to be uh, he's going to be out of his fight coming up on December fifth against Jack Hermanson. Uh, Kevin Holland is stepping in. Kevin Holland has been absolutely cruising this year in this division. He's attempted to go five and zero in twenty twenty. This is courtesy of ESPN Stats and Info. Uh, the only fighters to do that: You have Neil Magny in twenty fourteen, Roger Huerta in two thousand and seven, Mark Coleman in ninety six, Hoist Gracie was eight and zero in 1994. So Kevin Holland is looking to step in against Jack Hermanson. And that is a big one because, you know, Kevin Holland was, uh, after his last fight screaming at Israel Adesanya, you know, trying to, to make himself, uh, to make himself recognize you win this fight, you are in the title picture. And honestly, according to Dana White, it's a picture that needs a little bit of spice. So really, really big opportunity for him sucks for Darren Till. Um, and a big risk for Jack Hermanson because, you know, he is, taking on a guy who's not ranked and he's got to take on this young up and comer who has got basically everything to gain and nothing to lose. I guess if Jack wins the fight, um, you'd say that he is the favorite to go in there and, 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 and get a chance to fight for the belt, but you never know. I mean, because it seems like this, this belt's going to be nice. Will they go to an interim title? That'll be interesting because you know, you're going to have this spot where if Adesanya is going to go fight for the light heavyweight title uh, in March. Let's just say best case scenario is fighting in September. You imagine that next fight's going to be against John Jones. You you don't think that's going to be for the middleweight belt. So I'd imagine that if this is the path they're going, somebody is going to be fighting for the middleweight championship before the end of 2020. And I wouldn't be surprised if, Izzy is out of the title picture from that standpoint because he's trying to go set up the John Jones fight. So we had the Hard Rock this week. We had Devin Haney. He was defending his version of the WBC championship against Yoriyoki's Gamboa. Gamboa, of course, coming off that bad Achilles tear where he was fighting Gervonta Davis. You know, we had the opportunity to speak with Devin this week, and yeah, I like Devin Haney a lot. He's a young, uh, young fun fighter, very charismatic, great on social media. Um, very skilled, and I mean, I think he's going to be around this lightweight division and maybe even higher for a long time. Um, you know, so this was his opportunity this week. You know, he had a little bit of a showcase um, against Gamboa. I think it was probably the least publicized of all the fights that, you know, you had because he's taken on, first of all, he's taken on Yoriyoki's Gamboa. It's on zone didn't have the whole lead up like uh like Showtime did with 24/7 in the uh the Javante Davis pay-per-view which reportedly did uh about 225,000 buys. Tiafima Lopez his his uh performance had about 3 million views on social media. So look, Devin Haney was in this race and he was well aware that he's in this race of getting attention, who the top guy is, all that type of stuff. And so I think people were probably looking at this performance uh, against Yoriyoki Scamboa and maybe come away with it a little bit disappointed. Um, I'm not. I, I'm not disappointed in Devin Haney's performance. First of all, he shut out Gamboa. 
it uh it was one of these things where you know he was really making a miss a lot i think he probably has if we're gonna talk about the guy who probably looks the most like mayweather in this division and, and fights like mayweather uh devin haney's got a lot of those skills the style that he fights in the kind of defense that he has uh the elusiveness that he shows in that ring those those slight misses those slight slips uh he he's he's really really good really really good but you know how it is this is a offensive game people like to see knockouts people like to see blunt force trauma they like to see all that type of stuff so i don't think devin did himself any favors as far as um gaining more headlines in the 135 division i think that you know everyone's still going to come out of this weekend thinking that the man is tiafima lopez and or gervonta davis like those are the guys at 135 that are going to be the fan favorites to see but there's a couple of things with that one that's okay first of all he's 21 years old there's still a lot of growing that there is to do with with devin haney's game um you know there's been questions of his finishes in the past and and his ability to go get it like that um i think that you know we were talking about um this with javante davis you know where i think that the interesting thing with javante davis and his ability to be a pay-per-view star is his fighting style is going to make him a pay-per-view star uh and a lot of the times with floyd one of the things that made him a pay-per-view star is he just got people to root against him you know, maybe Devin's going to have some of that to him. I think we saw with some of the fallout after this performance with, you know, him talking about what were you doing at 21 years old? You're making 30K. I'm making millions, um, not being afraid to hammer the trolls and all this type of stuff. You know, that'll get people rooting against you and that'll get people tuning into you and and, and caring about you. Um, I think it was. Uh, but I do think that we saw after this, we saw, you know, George Cambosis who is the mandatory in the IBF realm, um, you know, and even made his case for being the mandatory for WBO as well. He, uh, you know, he's calling the email champion. Tiafimo's making fun of his performance. Um, I still think that, you know, it would, it wouldn't hurt Devin to get a little bit more seasoning, you know, as, but the thing is, you know, with him having this WBC championship, whatever the hell it is, um, one of these guys has to go fight Lopez next. Like, unless Lopez is just going to vacate and go to 140, somebody has to go be the man who's going to go fight at 135 pounds. And so I really don't know. This is the danger thing about, you know, throwing a strap on him with all the, uh, you know, stipulations and everything the WBC is doing because you put him in this position at 21 years old where maybe he still has some things to work out and you really don't have this margin for error when you have a lot of elite guys uh, atop this division. Now, listen, the thing about it is this is going to be a good laboratory for the new test of boxing. Like, what what is this going to become of everybody who is atop here? They're all very young, especially Tiafimo, Ryan Garcia, and Devin all being in their early 20s, you know, Gervonta being in his mid-20s, George being in his uh, in his mid-20s. I don't think you consider a late 20s until you get to 28, so I'll still give it to George on that one. Um, but all these guys are young. You know, they're, they're all young. Everybody's calling Lomachenko ancient, and he's in his early 30s, and that's crazy. So I think for Devin, uh, it was a fine performance. It wasn't a, a performance you hang your head on. 
you know, he dominated Yorio Gamboa. He put on a boxing clinic. Um, but when we're seeing these young, hungry lions and, you know, Tiafimo's taking it to Lomachenko in the, in the early goings of a fight and then taking it from him in the 12th round. And then you see Gervonta Davis have the knockout her around the world, even if he's doing it really against a, a super featherweight. Um, you know, people don't, you know, people, people are impatient and boxing fans are fickle. So I do think that he doesn't come, I think with having the least publicized fight out of these guys over the last few weeks and then having a performance like that, which was fine. It was, it was, it, he did, it was, as we like to say, it was TCB. He took care of business, but you know, that being what it is, um, you know, I, you, you may not get people to appreciate the sweet science and all that type of stuff. So I think that it'll be interesting to see what happens with this Ryan Garcia fight coming up on December 5th, taking on Luke Campbell. He's also taking a step up in competition. You know, those guys, you know, fought each other in the amateurs. They're both also super young. They're, you know, they're both in the zone atmosphere. You know, does Ryan get to the point? I'm sure that Golden Boy would love to push him to a spot, especially after the breakup with Canelo Alvarez, where they could push him to a championship level. Um, so, yeah, my, 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 my thoughts on Devin's performance were it wasn't going to be the most memorable fight that I ever saw, but I thought that he showcased a skill set that the other guys haven't necessarily shown. I mean, his ability to make people miss uh, was really, really impressive. It's just that I don't know how much fanfare that's going to get him. Maybe he doesn't care, and I do think that he's got the the personality. I think he's got the wit. I think he's got all that type of stuff that he could probably shake all that stuff up and then use it as fuel to, to burn forth. You know, we talked to him about his relationship with Floyd Mayweather this week on the show, and you know, Floyd was able to manipulate that in a good way where, you know, he made people feel stupid with their knowledge of boxing with what he was able to do. So maybe Devin can go that way. He's 21 years old though. You know, and that is that, that also can't be lost upon people. He's 21 years old. And so there's still a lot of growing that has to do, even if he is in this arms race to be the man, we have to realize how rare it is to be that guy at his age or even Tiafimo's age. So that's my reaction to uh, to his fight over the weekend. Thanks for our listening to our show, everybody, and we will talk to you next time. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh,